1: a better way? Is there a better way to start your day than by listening to some Tom Brady audio where he's dropping F-bombs to his good friend, Jim Gray, who asked him, well, he, he just asked him a simple question, Dylan. Let's hear from the GOAT, Tom Brady.
2: Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do? Uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking
0: do, I'd have already f***ing done it. Okay? I'm taking it a day at a time.
2: I sense you're antagonized by the question.
0: <laughs> you're scratching. It's only I'm the question that everybody wants to hear. <laughs> you're scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you.
1: Oh, I'm high-fiving Tom Brady, and I'm high-fiving Jim Gray. That's the way guys talk. I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to feel bad about things we said 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago or yesterday or we cussed, we did that. Stop it. That's the way dudes talk. It is. Hey, Jim, if I effing knew what I was going to do, then I would. That's what guys do. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know, I was I was reading something. Pamela Anderson says Tim Allen flashed her 10 years ago. How many people has Pamela Anderson flashed? Honest to God, the world is insane. Guys are nuts. I'm not saying what he did was right or wrong. I don't know, but I know this. I've been flashed by women. I've dropped F-bombs in meetings. I've dropped F-bombs. That right. Can we play that again? I'm so fired up about this. This is just the way guys talk.
2: It is. Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you've said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim,
0: if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already f***ing done it. Okay? I'm taking it a day at a time. There you go.
2: I sense you're antagonized by the question.
0: <laughs>
2: you're scratching. It's <laughs> only I'm the question that
0: everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. <laughs> I appreciate your asking. Thank you.
1: Man, yeah, good for Tom Brady, good for Jim Gray. I mean, look, we don't live in bubble wrap. We don't. I'm sorry. We don't and guys are nuts. Guys are insane. guys are just crazy. So are women. Everybody's nuts, but we all because of social media and cancel culture, we're all so dead gone afraid. Oh my God, 20 years ago, can you but right, I guarantee you. Like five years down the road, here's my point. This is going to come back on Tom Brady. This is going to be like, oh, did you hear what Tom Brady said? Oh, my God, five years ago, I cannot believe what Tom Brady said. Uh, oh, you know, okay. No, guys are nuts. What well, can I, guys will swear. I told this story before I brought in a parent who was complaining about my swearing, and I said, come on in here. We're going to go in the locker room listen to your kid. This kid was mf in this, N-word that, and nobody could see us because there was this little area where we could walk in. I go, look, I'm just trying to speak the language now. I'm above it all mostly, but once in a while you got to drop the bombs to get kids to understand. Tom Brady just being a dude, and I don't care whether you like it, I don't care whether you don't like it. Guys are nuts. Tim Allen, 10 years ago, did this to Pamela Anderson. How many people Pam Anderson flashed? Just stop. I got stories upon stories of when I was single about eight years ago of what women. Stop. and I I don't care. It's the world we live in. People will swear. People will flash. People will do stupid things. Speaking of stupid things, the Dallas Cowboys, you got to see this. Like, look, I understand that the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys got beaten. I understand two touchdowns, two interceptions by Dak Prescott. We all get it, right? We all understand. Two interceptions, not great. But do you have to be, do you have to be heckled by your own people? Like, that's the question that I have. Do you, do you have to be? Let's check out what the Dallas Cowboys official Twitter site Said about Dak Prescott. This is this is not some fanboy site. All right, this is a Twitter site, the official Twitter site of the Cowboys. Let's read, shall we, kids? Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup. The Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate. Self-inflicted wounds. Wow. Now, I got to tell you, if I'm Jerry Jones, I got to fire that person. Maybe Jerry Jones put it out there. But if I'm Jerry Jones, I got to say, hold on a second now. Now, I'm mad at Dak. I'm mad at the kicker. I'm mad at, my, I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at the coach, the assistant coaches. I'm mad at everybody. But, but... We cannot be putting things like that out. I'm sorry, but we cannot. Those things do not need to be out in public from us. Of course they're going to be in public. Of course they are. The Dallas Cowboys are, quote, America's team. Turn on any one of these channels. You can go on down the line from ESPN to Fox to NFL Network Every single channel will at some point today, including us, talk about Dak Prescott and the interceptions that he threw. They just will. I'm sorry. So you don't need to do it from your own Twitter account. Can we put that out there again? Do you mind? I'm going to show you something in this. Not only did they put it out there, not only did they hashtag it, But on the bottom, Dak on loss to 49ers. Unacceptable, 100% on me. So they've got Dak admitting to what they wrote on top. Now, don't give Dak credit for saying 100% on me. You know, you don't, you get no credit for that. You know, it's like a player used to say, my bad. Well, yeah, I used to look at him and go, yeah, who else would it, Who else threw the ball into the stands? I didn't throw it. He didn't throw it. Yeah, so you don't even need to say my bad. We all seen it. Well, it isn't 100% on Dak Prescott. Of course it isn't. But he is the quarterback. He is the easy target. He is the guy asking for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions. So, of course, it is going to be on him. And good for him for saying it. But when you act like an idiot, and we've seen this in other areas, you just don't get to apologize and everything's fine. You don't just get to say, hey, guess what? That's nah, it's on me. Oh, well, then if it's on you. But the Dallas Cowboys, you cannot do that. Coming up, I'm going to tell you about an organization that would never do that, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Their center, Teddy Karras Jr., Jr., his dad, Ted Karras Jr., family friend, Coach, national champion coach at Marion University here in Indianapolis. Great football player. He's going to tell you what makes Joe Burrow special and what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he'll give you an insight like you've never heard. Fran Frischella is going to join us, and we're going to talk some college hoops, you Indiana fans. We're going to talk nice about Indiana, as we should, that Armando is going to take us all the way across the NFL. Did you see this? There is a saying in the world that we live in, and it's a simple saying. Go woke, get broke. Or get woke, go broke. However you want to say it, it doesn't matter. I have a saying, the stuff we worry about. In this world, the stuff we worry about fascinates me, right? The Kardashians fascinate me because we're so worried about the Kardashians. Well, M&M's apparently had a problem. M&M's went woke. M&M's, yes, the candy. You know, I have a story. Went to the M&M store, big right there on Times Square. I didn't know you just couldn't take a handful. I thought I'm in the store. You know how you pull it down, you put it back. I just grabbed a handful. Guy from the back goes, hey, you got to pay for those. I didn't know I'm that kind of stupid. My kids today will still laugh about that. They're like, dad, do you remember when you just grabbed M&M's? I go, yeah, I didn't know. So M&M's, M&M's, the candy. Decided to, I don't understand, go woke with a green M&M. Who knows? Who cares? Look at this. This is a release from M&M's. Yes. M&M's on Twitter. America, let's talk. In the last year, we made some changes to our beloved spokes. Whatever, candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice. We definitely didn't think it would break the internet, but now we get it. Even a candy. Uh, candies, whatever, polarizing, which is the last thing Eminem wanted since we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we've decided to take an indefinite pause from our spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson. America can agree on the beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Miss Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they be- Just shut up. Just shut up. What is that? Just shut up. Like, candy. You can't just go get a bag. You know, it used to be melts in your mouth, not in your hand. any of you remember that? Any of you remember that ad, that glorious ad? Now we got to worry about M&M's being woke. Not M&M being woke. M&M's being woke. The crap we worry about in this world. You know, I've said this forever. We live in the greatest country in the history of the world. Now people will say to me, well, that's not true. Well, that's not true. They do this in this country. No, 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 no. Here's why we, the United States, America, us, live, us, we are the greatest country ever. Why people come across boats, why people risk death to come here. Because we are so great that we can worry about M&Ms. That's right. Think about that. You think in Jerusalem... They care about M&M's? I mean, seriously. Do you think in the Middle East? Do you think in Dubai? Do you think in China, Japan? Name a country. You think they give a rat's about M&M's? And I got to tell you, that little post there from M&M's, that little post drew over a million responses. Now, that's the crap we worry about. There have been over 3,100 tweets about M&M's In the last hour, in the last hour, 42.4 million views, 42.4 million views. I like what Ben Collins said. Ben Collins is a guy, I don't know who he is. Apparently he's on NBC news. All right. He's a big wheel. He's got 391,000 Twitter followers, but he said, I'm moving to a shack in the forest and am no longer participating in society. So, Tony Posnansky, who bitches about everything, I know that name, let's take the candy out of this. Your advertising was based on supporting women. You are now backing down from it, because a conservative talk show host doesn't like supporting women. Listen to that. Is is there anything more Twitter than that? Is there anything more Twitter than a guy Tony Sign up for his newsletter. Okay. He is mad. He is mad that somehow, uh, I don't even know, the New York Times, how M&M's found itself in the cultural wars. You know what the greatest thing ever for M&M's might be? This. M&M's don't need this. M&M's don't need any of this. They don't need nothing about this. They need nothing. But M&M's went woke. I hope M&M's doesn't go broke, because I dig on M&M's. All right, let's talk Patrick Mahomes, high ankle sprain. Let me tell you something about a high ankle sprain, and Teddy Karras, who played for the Washington Redskins, uh, will tell us all about it. Hopefully we get him here in a minute, but let's talk high ankle sprain. There is, well... There's low-grade ankle sprain, there's an ankle sprain, and then there is the high ankle sprain. The worst is the high ankle sprain. The high ankle sprain is that ankle sprain where you literally cannot, cannot, put any pressure whatsoever on your foot. It's not only the ankle. The ankle hurts like crazy, but it is right down into your foot, and it's one of those where you go like this. All right, here's here's the ground. And here's your foot, all right? This is your foot, here's the ground. You go, oh, God. Oh, ankle sprain science. One thing I know about, look, you got to understand, 10 years I was a head coach at Bowling Green, seven of those years we lost our two best players. Five of those years I lost my three best players and still ended up over 500. Take that, fools. But anyway, I know from injury. I know about ACLs. I know about ankle sprains. And I got to tell you, here's the deal. It will not be healthy. Like, just understand right now, Patrick Mahomes' ankle will absolutely not be healthy. It won't. It'll be painful, but but the one thing you can do with an ankle sprain is you can shoot it up, you can tighten it up, and if, if, and I'm sure he will, do everything that he can possibly do. He will, ladies and gentlemen, play. Not as well, not as but He'll play. The great Ted Karras joins us. And when I say great, we only allow greats on this show. Ted Karras, national champion coach at Marion University, started the program, built it from nothing, had no practice field. Next thing you know, they're winning national championships. He is back at Marion because they are smart enough to understand greatness. You know his son, Teddy Karras Jr., Jr. He, of I believe, and I know he is, captain of not only the offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals, who day, but also captain of oh, the team. Teddy joins us now. Super Bowl champ Ted Karras joins us now. Teddy, I know this. I know you've dealt with this. I was just explaining the science, my friend, of a high ankle sprain, That's a bad boy. He won't be the same, but I'm guessing he'll be able to go, talking about Mahomes. What's your experience with the high ankle sprain?
0: Yeah, they're tough injuries, but this is the time of year that you have to tough them out. So, yeah, it's going to be, you know, a lot of guys are dinged up. It's the AFC Championship, Lamar Hunt trophy on the line. It's go time. We got to tough it through and, and play it best we can.
1: Teddy, I want to go back to this summer. You, you came over. First time I'd really talked to you since your son went to Cincinnati, and the first thing you talked about was your son, Teddy cares Jr., Jr., and his relationship
0: with Joe Burrow and what a dude Joe Burrow was. Walk us through that, will you? Well, absolutely. So when Ted got to uh, Cincinnati in the spring, he's kind of a social guy, and he likes to bring guys in the setting, um, you know, outside of football. So – one of my first, and I got to be in on this one, we had a Memorial Day cookout. So we, uh, I, I was a cook, I had to be, I was a grill master, but we chicken some sausages, and you know, 12 bangles over, and we um, decided to play a game of pig. Usually in our gatherings, there's some type of competition, Double D, so he has a full court, we broke up six and six, the final four in pig consisted of me, Joe Burrow, Joe Bocce, and one of Bocce's friends. And um, here we are. Everyone's looking at us. Joe Burrow proceeds, Double D, to step behind the three-point arc, way behind, about three in a row, beat all of us. He's the ultimate competitor. I didn't know what to say about it, but I did see Joe at practice two weeks later. I said, Joe, I'd really like a rematch. He looked at me and said, Coach, only if you want to lose. That's how he rolls.
1: I like it. I uh, hey. I like it because, you know, Joe Burrow backs up what he says, and it looks like, you can tell me I'm wrong, but it looks like your son, others, everybody kind of plays off of it. It's kind of contagious what Joe Burrow does.
0: Absolutely. And he's Joe cool, and he's ready to go every day, practice field, meeting rooms, everything. He's he's an undeniable leader.
1: Your son comes in. He's the center. Uh, the season doesn't start out great for the offensive line, but you coach for a long time. There are certain units. It just takes a minute, right? Now they've had some injuries, added two more guys. Walk me through what this offensive line, which dominated the Buffalo Bills, what this lo- line has been through.
0: Yeah, well, offensive line usually takes the longest of any segment group in, in football. And, yes, they brought three free agents in. Um and they played well, you know, not at the beginning. That was a little bit rough, but they gelled throughout the season. Then we had some injuries. Lyell's out. Kappa's out. You know, here comes Adenji. Here comes, you know, Jackson Carmen. Here comes Max Sharping this week. Um, and I credit Frank Pollock for making sure everyone was ready from the get-go and continuing to coach those guys throughout the season. And they just did a hell of a job on uh, this past weekend. Unbelievable, really uh, – Really, I couldn't be more proud of him because, you know, we watch a lot of the film after the games too, Double D. That's our tradition of some of the guys come over and and we'll watch, the you know, the All-22 and the tight film. And um, it was just a a thing of beauty last week for the O-line. They
1: they basically went into the snow and, you know, snow plowed them, right? It was like freaking, I don't know, It was literally in the run game, at least for the Bengals, it was literally like five guys just acting as a snowplow, pushing people back and out of the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was snowy. It was cold, Ted said. I mean, they were wet the whole game. It was just a classic battle, and I'm so glad that we could come out on top in Buffalo.
1: For those of you that don't know, Teddy Karras, the name Karras is legendary. His father, Ted uh, won a World Championship with the Chicago Bears pre uh, Super Bowl. Ted won a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins, and Teddy Karras Junior Junior won a two Super Bowls with Dude. the New England Patriots. All right, so your son, I love this. Actually, my friends in Nashville, where now because of this show being in Nashville, I have a bunch loved it too. But Junior Junior's walking off the field, baby. And he lets the entire city of Nashville have it. Walk. That's the
0: region in him coming out. That's a little bit of the region. I had a lot of former players say the head bob was a little for me. But, um, but, what, but what happened there, Dan, was this. I mean, you know, they're going to kneel it out three in a row. All right. And you've, I've seen subsequent games. Other teams, there's a little bit of respect. We get you want to take one shot at us. But they took three shots low. And then Simmons is going to come out at the last play with a punch to the face that landed. So Ted could not go back into the handshake line after that and let it loose. And actually, from that point forward, I don't believe Tennessee won another game.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. There he is. No, There's old the man right there. He was – remember I, I told this story yesterday. You guys came over. Teddy's in the pool. And he's drinking like a thousand beers. And I looked at him, he's sitting in the corner, standing in the corner, and we're laughing. I go, hey, yo, you've been drinking beers for about three hours. Where are you peeing, big boy? <laughs> he goes, hey, I've never peed in the pool. Hey, and then I read the other day he was talking about Joe Burrow. Uh, and I want to go back. I want to go back to coaching. Um, You make Ted, who's a free agent, a captain. You got Joe Burrow. You know, the wide receiver is unbelievable, the whole deal. But Zach Taylor, who, uh, you know, about, I don't know, going backwards before the run halfway through last year, this dude was on the hot seat. Talk about, as a coach, what you see out of Coach Taylor and the Bengals.
0: Uh, That's a great one. Well... And Ted has a good perspective, too, and I do just watching from Bill Belichick, you know, in different organizations he's been in. They're all great, but everyone has their different style. And the one thing about Zach Taylor, he has a calming presence about him. Ted says he's really good on scheduling. You know, he's apt to give you two days off here towards the end of the season. Some coaches aren't doing that. He, you know, takes input from the team. I just think he has this presence of calmness that I want to try to get towards as a coach because I've never really been that way. But uh, after observing him, I mean, his scheduling, the way he relates with his players, um, obviously, you know, and he was on the hot seat. But sometimes it takes time in a program, you know, but a lot of, in this day and age, at almost any level of football, you don't get that time. So it was really nice to see that he got that time and is paying dividends for the Bengals for sure.
1: What made Ted want to come to Cincinnati.
0: Um, well, he was wanted. You know, he bet on himself the past two years. You know, he, he has rookie deal in, in New England for four years. Bet on himself for a year in Miami. And then he went back to the Patriots for a one-year deal again. And then he got a three-year deal to go with Cincinnati. So that's one thing being wanted. Second thing is the Joe Burrow factor and the team. There, you know, we're a winning team. He wanted another chance to, you know, get another ring. He's actually in his fourth AFC Championship in seven years. And, um, you know, and then also, I mean, heck, man, the proximity. Since he's only two hours away, man, from Indy. So we have big gatherings at the house after every game. A lot of friends, family come down. It's just a great organization. He's truly, you know, blessed to be there.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I, I get it's close and it's nice being with family and friends. But every time I've, I, and I followed you, all I saw was pictures of you deep sea fishing and catching these massive fish in Miami. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, since he's great, the Ohio River's right there. But, damn, you don't get the same fishing that you do in Miami. You do
0: not, but he kept, his house in my, he kept his house in Fort Lauderdale so we could get it when we want to, you know. So, yeah, so no, but it's, yeah, it's great organization. One game away from the Super Bowl, baby. Hey, hey, tell last thing before I let you go. Uh tell
1: people where Teddy lived with other linemen in New England, whose house he was across
0: from, and that the light that was on that would come on. Yeah, he lived across the street from the old Aaron Hernandez house. It was unbelievable. Joe Judge actually lived right next door to Aaron Hernandez and they and they had his house for rent. Him and Joe Tooney, speaking of the Chiefs coming up here. Um, lived together for four years, directly across the Erie Light. We'd look at, and yeah, it was uh, North Attleboro. What
1: the, the light? The light
0: was on top, right? The light was yeah, the like light up here or something. There was a little light on once in a while in there. I, I never, I never stepped foot on the property. I just looked at it from a distance. But I used to send you pictures <laughs> once in a while. <laughs>
1: I know. You're like, oh man! All right, baby. Let's go, Marion. We're not, hey, you're back in the saddle. You got the shirt on. You're back in the office. Uh, look, you did it once. I assume we'll do it two or three more times. We'll win a little national title here. That's the goal, right?
0: Well, that's the goal. Yeah, I think we created a monster back in 12. You know, we won the first one, they've won three um, other sports, another in football. So now that's the goal. It's a whole different world, though, Double D. Had nothing like this to sell on campus. They did an excellent job of upgrading facilities, weight room, training room, dorms. So I'm really fired up. Been here less than a month. Our recruiting class is going great, and I'm really fired up for the opportunity.
1: Hey, man, have a great weekend. I know you will. Good luck to you and Junior Junior and the whole crew, man. Thanks for coming on, Ted. Appreciate you, my friend.
0: I appreciate you, Double D. We'll talk soon.
1: All right. That's the great Ted Karras Jr. His dad, legend. The Karras name, legend. Alex Karras, Ted Karras, Teddy Karras. Super Bowl champs, like all of them. I don't know if Alex won. I don't think he did. But then you heard four years out of six, Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. in the AFC Championship. And it's no, look, these guys are leaders, man. These are tough dudes. These are personality guys. These are leaders. And if you're a kid and you want to go play college football... You got to check out Marion University here in Indianapolis. There's unbelievable things going on. And my friend Ted Karras Jr., he started this. I mean, he was practicing where they didn't even hardly, I don't even know if they had a field. He was down by some river. He's getting, you know, players got to remove rocks. And next thing you know, he's such a good coach and recruiter and tactician that he ends up winning a freaking national championship from a place that had nothing. Those. And this is what I like. Coming up, I got more headlines for you. Fran Frischella is going to join us. Armando's going to join us. I got to tell you, there's some of the craziest stuff that's going on in our world right now. And I'm going to hit on it when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, it's interesting. Daniel Snyder is selling or at least starting the process with the Bank of America to sell the Washington Commanders. I don't know if you saw this, but Omar Moreno or the Moreno family with the Los Los Angeles uh, Angels had started the same type process but backed off yesterday and said, look, we're not going forward. Clay Travis, our our leader, our hero, our sensei, made an interesting deal. Maybe Bezos will sell... The Washington Post and by the Washington Commanders, Jeff Bezos. Wouldn't that be awesome? For those of you that don't know, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Look, if I were Jeff Bezos and I could buy basically anything that I wanted, I got to believe it would be one heck of a lot more fun to own the Washington Commanders than it would be to own the Washington Post. I mean, think about the cretins in the media that you have to deal with on a daily basis as the owner of the Washington Post. you got the worst of the worst working for you. I mean, let's make no mistake about it. There is nobody, are nobody in the world that is worse than media folk, particularly print writers, my lovely wife. Uh, The deal is simple. If I'm Bezos, I don't know if I want to sell one for the other. I don't know that it's possible that I could keep one. But I do know this, and I will say this until I drop dead. How much fun would it be to own the Cubs, the Commanders, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Pittsburgh Pirates? I think it would be so much fun. If I were Jeff Bezos, I would do one thing and one thing only. Two things. One I'd buy two, I'd sell. I'd buy the freaking Commanders and have a great time, and I'd get rid of that newspaper. As uh, Jim Banks said, newspapers are a dying industry. You can't read them. You can't believe them. You don't know them. So get rid of the Washington Post and buy the Commanders, Bezos, or keep them both. Hey, what the heck? It might be fun. Karine Jean-Pierre puts her foot in her mouth trying to defend Biden over classified documents. Now, I have respect. Maybe I'm the only one that isn't a liberal that has respect for Ms. Pierre. I'm going to tell you why, Jean-Pierre, because that's my dream job. I'm not going to lie to you. This job here is the best job I've ever had. But if they called me tomorrow and there's very few jobs that I would do this. Like if they called me tomorrow and said, hey, we want you back as an analyst on ESPN. No, uh-uh. look, you could only do radio. I already made that decision. But if they said you get to be the press secretary for the president of the United States, those of you that are longtime listeners to my show know my answer to that. That, ladies and gentlemen, is my dream job Period. There was a time going back Marlon Fitzwater at all that I could name you in order. In fact, I'm dying to get Ari Fleischer on this show. I'm dying to get Fleischer. He's like my hero. We read a tweet from him yesterday. So Jean-Pierre, I'm, I'm like, all right. All right. All right. I got respect for the job. I always wanted to tell Helen Thomas, sit your little But you cannot continue, I would not continue, just simply lying about what in the Sam Henry is going on in this country. Let's take a little listen and we got two videos back to back from Miss Jean-Pierre.
3: Another question on the documents. Um, You have said though from this podium many, many times over the last two weeks that this president takes the handling of classified material very seriously. And yet, we continue to learn about more documents being found and discovered at his home, including now some that go back decades to his time in the Senate. So, why should the American people believe that this president takes classified material seriously and the handling of it? Look, the president, the American people heard from the president directly on this when he was asked by your colleagues at least twice now about um, about how he sees this process, and he was very clear what, with, with the response of what we're currently seeing. And he says, I take this very seriously. He said, I didn't know uh, that the documents were there. Um, and look, I think as it relates to the American people and the president standing with the American people, uh, it is going to be uh, up to them to decide uh, how they see uh, this President. Look, this is a President I came into office. Nine million people had lost their jobs. The unemployment rate was 6.3 percent, and hundreds of thousands of small businesses had closed their doors. And in the past two years, we've created nearly 11 million jobs. The unemployment rate is at a record low at 50-year 50, uh, 50 uh, record low. In the last two years were the best years for small businesses applications on record. We talked about that last week, just from here. Uh, the President has built the most significant legislative record uh, since LBJ. Let's not forget, there's a Chips and Science Act, the bipartisan infrastructure legislation. I just walked through what he's going to see next week uh, when he's traveling uh, to Baltimore and also New York City. The Inflation Reduction Act, which is going to deal with lowering costs. So the President has been in office for the last two years focusing on the American people here that's been answered for my colleagues anything else my colleagues are my colleagues going to speak to all of you in just a few minutes a so few moments, and uh, you can ask more more yeah, in t- detail one thing that you just said you yeah. just said the president said that he did not know the documents were there i'm not actually sure he has said that that clearly are you saying the president did well, not Well he, he, he said he was surprised he said he was surprised he said he was surprised i'm just going to leave it there and i'm going to refer you to the white house counsel's office he, i'm just repeating what he said but and I want he, to he said what you just said you said he, he said, know the documents he were there. said he was
1: surprised. It's glorious. Like you don't answer the question. You talk about an economy that you ruined and now because, well, the American people will always build back. Now you're a hero for building it back. I saw yesterday our boy Biden put out, well, you know, gas is down really. So you what's the right word? Blame it on Ukraine, Putin, When it goes up, you take credit when it comes down, but it's not down to where it was before you took office. Inflation isn't close. People are losing their ass. $800 per person you lose almost every day. I think it's absolutely delicious how this lady, the press secretary, gets up every day and has to defend this clown show. Honest to God, I think it's glorious. It is a skill that I think I have. I do. I think I possess the skill. Now, once in a while, I'd be like, yo, Prez, you're going to have to get rid of me because I can't go with that. I used to tell Bobby Knight that, yo, come on now. I mean, let's come up with a better plan here if we're going to BS the troops. I mean, let's go. But you got to admire that she stands up there every day with her soft little voice and lies like hell. Good for. Hey, look, that's the job. And that's the job I want. She's trying every day, she's working it every day, she's hustling every day, people are infuriated by her, and good for her. She's trying, man. She's working it. And I like it every day. I get a kick out of it. And if people lose their minds on it, what are you losing your mind for? That's her job. Athlete trouble. Now, I'm probably going to say something here that's going to make people mad. But first, let's look at Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. came out of college, and he's been pretty good in the NBA with the Denver Nuggets. His brother, Coben Porter, was arrested over the weekend. uh, Suspicion of vehicular, vehicular homicide. He's a member of the university of Denver basketball team. Now, I got to tell you, I don't make fun of this ever. I think this is horrific. I think these are awful things. I don't like this even a little bit. You know, I had a friend. I got a story for everything. I had a friend that this happened to, and I went to the trial, and um, it was one of the saddest things because, obviously, my friend did not try to injure anybody, but he did. Now, in Coben's case, he was suspected of DUI. He smelled of alcohol when he ran a red light, and he crashed into another vehicle. He was driving 50, ran a red light downtown, crashed into a driver, uh, Katarina Rothman, and she was killed. Now, you're going to have to live with this your entire life. Uh, Bloodshot. Watery eyes, slurred, mumbled speech, strong odor of alcohol. He also had a Bud Light paper wristband on his left wrist. You know what those are. That means you're at some Bud Light thing or you, that's entrance to a party. A lot of bad stuff going on. You know, at some point, at some point, as we get to the University of Georgia, some point people are going to ask a question, what's a football player doing with the recruiting young lady at 2:30 in the morning that's going to be asked now who knows i'm not suspecting anything but the coach in me that's the first thing i thought but speaking of georgia georgia football player rara thomas has been arrested on false imprisonment and mister Meaner, mister meener battery family violence wouldn't let a young lady out of his dorm room what's going on in georgia i mean what are we doing i mean seriously I mean, look, here's the deal. I get it. Uh, when I went to Indiana, it was after a national championship, and, man, the stories were crazy, crazy, crazy. But here's the deal. I'm going to go back to that wreck. Uh, apparently, the New York Post is reporting Devin Wilcox, some of his Georgia teammates were actually in a strip club 15 minutes before. Look, maybe he called for a ride home. I don't know. But this this is just tragic, all this stuff that's happening. Deaths. I, and now it's tragic for a young lady that wasn't allowed out of a dorm room at the University of Georgia. Now, what are we doing here? Like, I get it. One of the worst things that, well, let's put it this way. One of the worst things that you can possibly do, if not the worst thing, Is violate a woman. Now, you can hit on a woman at a bar, you can do it, but you can't detain, you can't assault, hit. I always had a policy, and I think I've talked about this. This is a no brainer policy. If you do anything to a woman as a Bowling Green basketball player, you're going to be kicked off the team. So this guy here, this guy decides. that he is going to bruise a woman's bicep, abrasions on her shin, which people think, well, he may have kicked, stood in front of her dorm room telling her she could not leave. Um, The felony charge of false imprisonment can carry a sentence up to a decade in prison. It's very serious. Now we're thinking we let him be innocent, but when you have bruised a woman, kicked a woman, allegedly, and then not let her out of a room, pretty serious. Now, I would assume, uh, again, this is just based on talking to my sister, who's 25-year prosecutor, Marion County, dealt with a lot of stuff, domestic violence prosecutor. This will all work itself out. I don't imagine the kid's going to spend 10 years in prison, but something needs to happen here to teach him and others a lesson. Now, let's be honest. This needs to stop, and we're going to show you a video Coming up here in a minute by Deion Sanders. Speaking of Deion Sanders, he flipped the top recruit, Cormanny McLean, from Miami. And he is instilling positive culture changes caught on video. Now, I'm going to play the video, but this isn't new. Like, I'll listen to people tell me that I'm a bad coach, blah, 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 blah. But I'll tell you this, my players acted right. And when they didn't, they were gone. I had a couple that didn't. And they were gone. Here's a Deion Sanders talking about respect for women. I wish more coaches would have the stones to do this. Let's roll a little bit of Deion. One thing that I don't condone, Jennifer, come on. One thing that I don't condone is disrespect for a woman and calling the woman out of her name. So when you pass by these beautiful young women, uh, I don't know if they grace you to call them by their name or their title, you find out. Um, To not be mistaken, I would say, ma'am, until they check you and say, I'm not that open, okay? But be courteous, be gracious, and be polite. And if there's any dysfunction or obstruction with your girlfriend, fiance, or whoever, with any abuse, that's it, it's over. Don't call me, don't have your mama call me, don't call Rick, it's a wrap. You understand that? We're gonna respect Our women wholeheartedly. Thank you, ladies. That's exactly, exactly what I would tell my players. It's exactly. In fact, when I was the head coach at Indiana for seven games and the idiots that were in the program, I brought all the women and all the staff academic staff, I put them on a little stage we had, and I told the idiots, any one of you disrespects any of these people in any way doing their job, you're out of here. That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. You're not supposed to make excuses. Now, the interesting thing for Deion Sanders is going to be this. What happens, because it's going to happen, when a really good player or star player violates that right there. That's why a lot of college coaches don't put rules on. Coach Knight always had two rules. One, don't respect me or the program. That's one. Two, don't respect your family. Don't disrespect your family. Excuse me. So what happened was he left that open, right? He left that open and ambiguous. So what? if that was disrespectful, I can punish you. But when you make steadfast rules, now it's going to be interesting for Coach Prime. What happens if, if, or when, if he's there long enough, it's going to happen. I liked what he said, don't even call me. We had a player at Indiana. Got involved in a hassle, I'll never forget. Got an all-night flight back. First thing, phone call, so-and-so. I'm not going to say his name because he's turned out to be a great dude. But he got in a hassle with a girlfriend. He was in jail. Called Coach Knight. He said, he's gone, he's done, goodbye goes, get, well, he didn't say that. He said, give me the facts. Let me talk to the cop. Let me find out what happened. Done. Now, people are going to say innocent till proven guilty, maybe. But you have the standard is the standard, right? The standard is the standard. And so many of these programs go, well, you know. I mean, how about compare what, De, what Deion Sanders did right there with what Nick Saban did? with the wide receiver who smacked the young lady for no reason at all. Compare those two. Uh, Nick Saban played the guy who hit a woman the next game. Why? Because Nick Saban doesn't care about hitting a woman. It's just like Steve Kerr doesn't care about violence in the workplace. They don't care. Here's the deal. It's easy to say stuff. Easiest thing in the world. And everybody knows how to do it. Everybody. But the truth of the matter is, what happens when you're really put to the test? Saban showed himself to be a phony, a fraud. Kerr showed himself to be a phony or fraud. See, unfortunately, guys like me that showed themselves to be real and kicked guys off are now doing shows out of their basement. Ah, But this is better. At least I always look in the mirror and never lose a moment's sleep. Compare that with freaking Nick Saban. All right, this I like. Uh, Derek Wolf killed a large mountain lion in Colorado. Derek Wolf is a former Broncos tight end. Now, this mountain lion had been a pain in the rear end in his neighborhood or among people. So, what did Derek Wolf do? derek wolf said uh no i am going to kill you you are not you are not going to no bother me and of course trolls attacked him a 200 pound mountain lion was killing women's dog living under her porch a 200 pound mountain lion now would you to think about that just for a second and little trolls are mad at him good good for you little trolls god bless you be mad at Derek Wolf. There's a picture. He said, I'm going to eat him. People are mad at him. You know what? God bless you. See, we need more heroes. You know, I'm so tired. There's a video going around and we're not going to show it of a bunch of idiots in Chicago going around killing people. That's who you should troll. You should troll the mayor of Chicago uh, saying, why are you allowing this? You don't troll a guy who killed a mountain lion that was eating dogs, taunting a community, not taunting, uh, ravaging a community. But, hey, in our world, that's what we do. It's peak Twitter. Well, you know, yeah, you, know, you know, I mean, uh, he killed a mountain lion. I love the fact that he said, yeah, not only am I going to do it, I'm going to eat it. He hunted it down and killed a mountain lion. God bless him. God bless him. Interesting news, not surprising news. You know, you go, you coach. You get fired. You go to Alabama and coach, and you get cleansed. Holy water gets doused on you. You go into the baptism bin They baptize you. Bill O'Brien is the next man to do this. Bill O'Brien, great coach by everybody tells me. Went from Penn State after the Joe Paterno mess. He went to, excuse me, the Houston Texans. Did pretty good there. Got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. The media went nuts. The mad crapper gets him fired. The team is in disarray. Where does he go? He goes to Alabama, where he does well. Wins a national championship. Does all good stuff. Now he's back with New England. Now he's going to be the offensive coordinator. And I got to tell you, it's a year too late. It's a year too late. This should have happened last year. You can't have old pencil neck Patricia be the guy calling plays when he's a defensive coordinator. New England was a mess. It didn't matter what Bill Belichick said. See, here's the deal. Bill Belichick, without the physical abuse, is going down the same, same, same road Bob Knight went. Bob Knight at Indiana thought he was smarter than everybody. And he, ladies and gentlemen, didn't hire guys that would coach. He hired old friends. Belichick's going down the same road. Well, that's not actually the road. The road is he thinks he's smarter than everybody. Knight always thought at the end he was smarter than everyone. Well, guess what? Other guys wised up. Belichick thought he was smarter than everybody. We don't need an offensive coordinator, Belichick said. We don't need that. What we need is what I got. Oh, okay. What do you got? You got squat. You got squat. Uh, You know what? Here's the deal, Bill. Get yourself an offensive coordinator, and you got a good one. I'm looking it up here. You know what? There may not be a better play caller. You know what I mean? There may not be a better play caller for Bill Belichick than Bill O'Brien. He returns to a job that he had when they won Super Bowls. Now, here's your problem. If you're Bill Belichick, let me ask you a question. You're getting the band together? Louis Armstrong ain't in the band. Louis Armstrong, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't know what he's going to do next year. And let's play Louis Armstrong, a.k.a. Tom Brady. He's not getting Tom Brady back into the fold. Dylan and Ryan, if we can cue up before we go to break the Tom Brady, saying, I don't know what the f- – I'm doing See, he's getting the band back together. He's the Blues Brothers. He's going all around Chicago, but he doesn't have Aretha Franklin. Now he doesn't. It would be like our guy, your guy, Bruce Springsteen, and he doesn't have the big fella back playing the sax. You can bring the band back, but if you don't have the star, it ain't no good. It's like, do you like Van Halen or Van Hagar? I like Van Halen. I like David Lee Roth, that knucklehead. Sammy Hagar, he can't drive 55, all right, but it ain't Van Halen, baby. So he's bringing him back. Tom Brady doesn't know what he's going to do, but good for Bill Belichick. See, here's the deal. Leaders need to adjust. Sometimes you take a swing and that swing doesn't work. So when it doesn't work, what do you do? You reboot. You reboot. You go get somebody that you can trust. You go get somebody that you want to have in your operation that you know is going to be on the same page as you. And then you take another swing. Good for Bill Belichick. Good, good, good for Bill Belichick. All right. Look, when we come back, we got a monster for you. I need to talk some college hoops. This needs to be your college hoop central. We're going to do that with Fran Frischella. Understand this. Understand That there are really only two people, me, me, not you, me, listen to when they speak on hoops. One, Fran Frischella. Two, Seth Greenberg. And a third would be Doug Gottlieb. That's about it when they speak on college hoops. We got all these young guys trying to be coaches. We got Billis out there trying to act like a coach. If you haven't been a head coach, I don't want to hear from you. You might. I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying I don't. All right, Dylan. Let's hear it when we go to break. Let's hear a little bit from the GOAT on his podcast, Tom Brady.
2: Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim,
0: if I knew what I was going to do, I'd have already f-ing done it. Okay? I'm taking it a day at a time.
2: I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> The
0: scratching, it's are, only the question that everybody wants to hear. You're <laughs> scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you.
1: That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, look, I'm a hard listen. I don't listen to everybody. In fact, I turn most games down. I go back to when I was coaching with Coach Knight. We used to watch games without sound, but when Fran Seth do games I watch. I just do because I like guys that have been head coaches because they understand. Fran Freshella, nice enough to join us. I don't think he's in Allen Fieldhouse. I do think that he has thoughts on Kansas, though, big
2: boy. Yes, I do. Uh, you know, I know this team well, Dan. I see him a lot. I watched him last night from the comforts of my home in Colorado Springs. And, uh, uh, among among I think the main thing right now is they're having trouble making shots. The way teams are playing them right now, they're going under all ball screens except for Grady Dick. And as good a year as Jalen Wilson is having, he's inconsistent from the perimeter. Uh, Kevin McCullough, the transfer from Texas Tech, is not making shots. Dewan Harris doesn't look to shoot. He's a facilitator. And so right now, I think the biggest the biggest concern is they are not a good outside shooting team, especially when you take away Grady Dick. And it renders them very ineffective. They have nobody who can score in the paint from the post area. So they have to drive it all the time. And teams in the Big 12, once you get to late January, they go to school on 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 what other opponents have done. And they all they all now know that you go under ball screens on them and don't let them get to the basket if you can help it. Fran, we saw
1: this last year. I remember when Kentucky went into KU right there uh Fog Allen Fieldhouse and beat the dog out of them on national TV and the next thing you know they're running through the tournament. You know, we always yeah. want to compare does this team have that kind of uh does this team have that kind of backside to do the same thing?
2: Well, I think they do, Dan. I got to tell you like uh, you and I are lucky to, when, we, when we've when we done what we've done, we're around great coaches, and you certainly have been around one of the greatest ever, but Bill Self will figure this out. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't tinker with his team to the point where they get back on track. The The one difficulty about getting on back, back on track this year is as good as everybody says the Big 12 is, it's probably even better, not from talent standpoint. There's not a lot of pros in the league, but there is virtually no difference from one to 10 in this league. And what do I mean by that? Uh, You've got two teams at the bottom of the big 12 who are now uh, one and 13, who only three weeks ago were ranked in the top 25. They didn't get markedly worse. They just got into conference play. So the difficulty for Kansas now is I think coming up, how about this? They got to go to Kentucky. They got K-State at home, a game they probably will win, as good a season as K-State's having. And then they got to go to Iowa State, a team that was picked eighth in the Big 12, who's now a top-ten team. So Bill Self will figure this out. There's still a lot of talent there, but it's a little different getting the ship straightened out in a year in this league because of the balance of the league. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, it really is, and it's fun to watch. I mean, you mentioned Kansas State, hey. I love what the coach said to his fans. We'll give you one court storming, and then we're going to expect <laughs> to win every night, right?
2: Well, oh, it's amazing. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've been around the Big 12 for nearly 20 years, and I watched when Scott Drew was a, quote, bad coach. And if he was a bad coach, that means, Jer- that means Jerome Tang was his bad assistant. You know what I mean? And as I watched yes. Scott Drew actually improve as a coach, which he did, Uh, by the way, a Butler University grad, tennis player, um, and obviously the son of Homer Drew. But when I watched them over the last 10 years, it's remarkable to see a coach improve that way. I would say a a guy that kind of comes to mind that way is Jay Wright. Jay got markedly better over the last decade and proofs in the pudding. But Scott Drew and Jerome Tang truly became great coaches. And when I went out to Kansas State in October to watch them practice, I didn't know how good they would be. I just knew after ten minutes they had a vibe in that gym that was gonna carry on. And now what happened is we found out that Keontae Johnson is as good as the preseason SEC player of the year he was three years ago. And that this little Marquise Noel is like an Isaiah Thomas type. Not the Isaiah Thomas from IU, but the little guy that played for the Celtics. And they've got two they've got two Big Ten all first team players and uh they're they're probably the surprise of the country. For
1: people that don't remember, the kid at Kansas State, uh, Deontay Johnson, was the kid that fell out at Florida, right? Passed out onto the court, and now it's a great story. He's back playing.
2: Yes, and, and you know, knock on wood and say the prayers that he stays healthy because um, if you yeah. remember, Baylor Baylor had a couple guys, King McClure and then later on Jared Butler, who's an All-American, both had similar heart issues. And just like with Deontay Johnson, Baylor – made sure that, uh, and I know Keontae did this with K-State, they went up to the Mayo Clinic, um, they got all the heart tests done, and he's back on the court playing, and we wish him nothing but the best, because uh, he's a monster, man. He's a he—he's what I call a linebacker, a defense. He's Nick Bosa playing uh, big guard. That's what he is. He's Nick Bosa playing big guard. I love it. Yeah.
1: That's pretty good. Use that. Uh, I wore my Harvard shirt because Fran yeah, Sonnen yeah, played maybe. at Harvard, <clears throat> and
2: yeah, big, big yeah. win over Cornell and, uh, Saturday. Big win over Cornell Saturday <laughs> at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's uh, yeah, he's glad to be back. He's glad to be back. It just makes you smarter
1: when you walk around Harvard's campus. <laughs> like he just, you just, you know what I mean.
2: And you and, and for the two of us, that's really important. By the way, you know, I I leave Harvard after a couple days, and I'm uh. Yeah, I feel like I can match wits with anybody from an intellectual standpoint. Yeah. Now, I did, I did go to BC. I went to BC, Brooklyn College. So well, you know, I, I mean, did, that, it pay, it, 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 I paid a lot less at my BC than they pay at BC in Boston, <laughs> by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah, five a semester.
1: I had a crazy coach that uh, <laughs> helped me named Jay Perlman. I know that name. He was a yeah. Brooklyn college. Yeah, he was completely out of his mind, and I loved him. All right, you did on radio the Indiana-Illinois game. Here in yes. Indiana, we're already hanging a sixth banner. We're like, let's go. Woody's been through it. I've ripped him. His daughter ripped me. I don't care. Woody's team, yeah. and I give Woody credit, they've kind yeah. of come back from the dead here and are playing well, aren't they?
2: They are, and, and you know, obviously – Obviously, they were 7-0 when they were full, right? When they were healthy, Dan, uh, with Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson. I went over to Illinois uh, last week and did the game on Westwood One Radio. And I have to tell you, honestly, Trace Jackson Davis is as impressive as, any, as a player uh, as any guy I've seen this year. I've seen Drew Timmy. You know, I've seen UCLA. I've seen Kansas. I, I've seen I think most of the best players in the country, Brandon Miller from Alabama is a special freshman. Uh, You know, Jaime Jaquez, this little kid, Kendrick Davis, remember him? He's the best point guard in the country, the kid from Memphis. He's a monster, and nobody's really talking about him. But I was so impressed with Trace Jackson Davis and the improvement he's made over four years. I'm going to be shocked if he's not an NBA player and in somebody's rotation. Like, he'll go in the second round idiotically the way Jalen Brunson went in the second round. And then all he'll be is like the Cam Johnson kid at, at the Phoenix Suns. Different kind of player, but everybody mocked the Suns for taking him so high. I was impressed with Trace. Uh, he's got a good motor. He's got great feet. Uh, he's got a lot of touch around the basket. He's got a quick first step. And I was really surprised Illinois didn't double him the, the way the less of the Big Ten uh, doubles him because he was like 16 of 19 that night. Um, unstoppable. I'm impressed with him. I really am. And I think their team is still flawed. Um, because there's still a lot of, uh, you know, question about whether they shoot it well enough. But if I don't know what Xavier Johnson's, uh, status is, but I think whole, at least whole healthy, they can be as good as anybody in that, in that league, except Purdue, who we both know, um, they have the magical formula, you know, what the magical formula for Purdue is Dan, they, uh, it's called Matt Painter. Matt Painter. That's the magical formula. As good a coach as there is right let now in the country. To,
1: l- let me go to Purdue for a second. You know, I'm watching them play Michigan State, and they've got the ball. They got to go to length of the court. They got ten seconds. But I'm telling you, coach, they executed, and I'm sure you saw it. They got the ball to Edie. He just flipped it in. It was incredible, the execution down the stretch. And they're different. They run motion some, but they, they use a big guy who isn't the, quote, modern big guy. He's the old-school big guy, uh, Zach. Edie, yeah. And he might be player of the year in the country.
2: Well, I think he's the front-runner right now. There's no question. I mean, he's uh... – you know, somebody said it, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been my friend John Rothstein, but uh, I think he hit it on the head when he said Yao Ming. You know, he has a lot of Yao Ming in him. I mean, and maybe he's not ready for the modern NBA, but I know this, he's the best player in the country, at least from start to finish so far. And the thing you love about Matt Painter, and Bill Self is so good at this too, you know, a couple of years ago, when they had Carson Edwards going absolutely crazy, um, I said to Matt, how do you run offense with a guy who's such an isolation player? And he, he had a great line, Dan. He said, well, on one side of the court, we run motion with these four guys. On the other side of the court, we just <laughs> let him play one-on-one. And the beauty of Matt is, while, while he's had this reputation, rightfully so recently, of having, you know, Hammonds and Edie and uh, some of the other big guys he's had. I've lost. I can't remember their names now. But he's had some good ones. Actually, I- Isaac Haas. Um, Matt fits the talent Uh, he fits his style to his talent in a given year and right now he's able to get these monstrous big guys and he's playing through Zach Eady. last year he had the two guys the two-headed monster but if he's got a great guard he'll play through him too and you remember how those guys have been running off screens forever catching shooting those shots Um, he'll figure out how to best utilize his talent and I think that makes him a great coach
1: I, t- I totally agree like I tease Purdue fans all the time. I say they're like <laughs> Purdue you know it drives them I say they're like you know Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown, <laughs> everything's going good and then she pulls the football away uh and it makes them nuts, but no I agree with you Matt's a terrific coach. What's going on at Kentucky Kentucky do they have the ship righted? Where are you at with Cal's team?
2: Well I think they've fixed I think they've I think they've figured out from what I can tell from a distance that, um, you know, the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. And sometimes you think the parts are better than the parts really are. And they're not, you know, like they've got some, you know, like Jacob Toppin is a nice player. He was kind of under recruited. He started his career at Rhode Island. Antonio Reeves came, as you know, came from Illinois state, uh, severe Wheeler was a transfer, uh, Joe, uh, TJ, uh, C.J. Frederick was a transfer. I don't think their talent is great. I, I don't know who the pro is on their team. It might be Livingston, the freshman. and Wallace is a really nice freshman from Dallas. But what I do think has happened the last couple games is um, they figured out, like, if we don't play together, and going to Tennessee was a hell of a win. We don't play together. We're not going to get anything done. And uh, I still think – I think that they're going to be sneaky – Inconsistent because a lot of the teams they have coming up in conference play are not very good. The bottom of the SEC is not very good when you look at the top of the league with Tennessee and Alabama. Um, so there's still a lot of wins to be had for Kentucky. I just hope it's not fool's gold going into the N- NCA tournament and then they, you know, lose inexplicably to somebody. I do think they figured some things you know- out, and that is we we better play together.
1: The Indiana in me, you just mentioned who's inexplicably, and it was St. Yeah. Peter's. We don't mention yes. that with Purdue, like no, like Purdue, like Purdue's got this exempt <laughs> status that you know they didn't. I leave. know. I know. You know. What I mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's probably because. But I'll tell you, that's probably because Matt makes a big deal about having these under the radar recruits. So, like, you know what I mean? It's like. I guess in a given year, you don't expect as much from Purdue. Then they're number one in the country. And then they lose inexplicably. You say, well, they don't have, they don't have any NBA players anyway. So I'm, I'm not surprised where when Cal does it, he has got five high school all Americans. So Matt gets the pass. He gets, he does get the pass. Right. Um, how good's Houston? How good's Calvin's team? They're really good, but they're not as good as everybody thought. Like, they're really good in that you can count on them to play hard as hard as anybody, but, um, and they've got a really good freshman. The kid, you walkers, really a, a throwback old school, tough, hard nosed kid. Um, and I, I felt and I'm a I just thought all year and they're still 18 and two, by the way, you know, they haven't fallen off the cliff. I just think, I, I just think that they're, they're not as good. Their talent is not as good as what the record and the ranking is and i think kelvin would be the first to tell you they've got a lot of guys that were under recruited and they play their ass off and they're going to uh, they're going to be in a fist fight with you every night but i don't think they have the best talent in the country and i think i think they came into the season with a little bit of a um reputation for being a kelvin team and so we're going to make them number 1 or number 2 and they're certainly still in that top five range, but um, I don't think their talent level is as good as they're the opposite of what I said about Kentucky. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts because I will say this, Dan, When you, you, if you do choose to play for Kelvin, you're going to a place where he is going to push you every single day. If you don't like that and you make the decision to go there, it's your fault, not his. So if you go there, well, you know you're going to get yeah. pushed every day. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I, am totally, I, I'm totally with you on this. All right, I, I had an epiphany, and yep. I want you to set me straight, okay? I is Please. the West Coast Conference getting a lot better? The coaches, uh, Herb Sendick's doing a hell of a job. I understand it's Gonzaga's league still. We saw him yeah. lose at home, but I'm looking at Santa Clara. I, they're bringing in some coaches in that league.
2: Well, that's it. You know, like uh, this kind of happened in the Big 12 when Bill Self got to Kansas and then Eddie Sutton retired and some coaches left. ADs were smart enough to say we we have to make an investment not in facilities or, or recruiting budgets. We have to make an investment in coaches who've won big. And for the last decade or so, six of the ten coaches in the Big 12 have been to Final Fours. You look at Porter Moser going to Oklahoma – or what Scott Drew's done, Chris Beer, et cetera, and I think that's happened to a large degree in in the WCC. Like uh, you mentioned, Herb Sendek, BYU comes into the league. You know, uh, this, there's a really good young coach at Portland, uh, Shante Uh and I think the uh, Lavin's at you uh, Lavin's at uh, San Diego might not be the best coach ever, but he's got experience at going to the Sweet Sixteen. And the only way to take down the bully, or at least punch the bully in the nose, which is Gonzaga, right, Um, is you better find coaches who are not going to be intimidated by Gonzaga. And Randy Bennett's certainly not intimidated by Gonzaga. He's been in a fist fight with Mark Few for 20 years now, and every now and then he's going to get his nose bloodied. We know that. And some nights he's going to walk home bruised and battered, but there's going to be some nights that he's going to get the best of Mark Few, and and you can't be afraid to go toe-to-toe with the bully on the street. And I think there's a bunch of coaches in that league now that are saying the only way for us to approve our program is to go after Gonzaga. And frankly, Dan, they're not as talented, Gonzaga, as teams we've used to seeing at Gonzaga in recent years. And they're still still 17-4. and
1: Right. And played a murderous schedule, you know. I mean, it's
2: like... Correct.
1: Right? Yeah. Yep. Hey, I have... One of my former college roommates is an uh, analyst uh, for Tennessee or Texas football, and he's the, he's the most popular anchor down in Austin on the NBC affiliate. He's been there 25 years, and he tells me that, boy, a lot of people, particularly in the media and a lot of fans, want Rodney Terry to be the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. From where you're sitting, covering the league, covering all of this, what's going to happen with that job?
2: He's um, first of all, he's a he's a good guy, a really good human being, a good coach. Left a head coaching spot, obviously, to go back as the associate head coach. Um, right now, it's January what twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. I can't remember twenty third. Um, he's got a two month interview. He's he's in the middle of a two month interview, Dan, and and uh, I think he's nine and two. Uh, and someone asked me, would Chris Beard be ten and one or eleven zero? Probably not. Probably be nine and two. And so what I think is Rodney, and by the way, he's got two aces in the hole, okay? Two of the top 25 players in the country uh, who've signed next year. And I wouldn't make a decision based on what a recruit says. But he does have two kids who say, I'm still going to Texas if Rodney's the head coach. Now, the reality is the athletic director who worked at Arizona um, when Lute Olson was going strong and hired Jamie Dixon at TCU, he wants to hire a big name. There's no question. And he would love to do it, but I think he'd love, I think he would trade off hiring Rodney Terry if Rodney got him to a final four, then hiring some big name coach who may or may not get the job done. So Rodney is in the middle of a two month interview. And at worst, Rodney's going to be a head coach somewhere next year because he's doing a nice job. I will tell you this my Texas friends don't like this. It is not a basketball job. And everybody who's down there knows it. It's a longhorn job. When you win, they love you. They love the longhorns. And they don't know why an inbounds play works, okay? You no, know, Unlike Indiana Purdue fans, they can tell you why the <laughs> zone offense is terrible. They can't do that at Texas. They, they know you shouldn't be throwing deep in, uh, on cover, too. But they don't know basketball, okay? And so um, if you take that job as, a, as the big name, Nate Oates or John Calipari, you are going to a place where you are number two forever, forever, and that's okay. Chris Holt, Chris Holman is fine at, at Ohio State. Rick Barnes is fine at Tennessee. Billy Donovan was fine at Florida. When I coached at Ohio State, nothing better than a Saturday afternoon in the fall, taking those those uh, recruits to a football game. And if the next coach can accept that, and you can accept being paid less money than the football coach. Great job because not a lot of people care. In the meantime, Rodney's got a two month job interview.
1: You know, going back, I remember when the Final Four was in Indy, Mark Few and I were having a beer and they had just, I think they had just hired Calvin. And I said, (laughs) You know, you always wanted to be a high school coach. I said, You ever imagine you'd turn down millions to be the head coach at Indiana? And you know what he said? He goes, Oh, he goes, No, I never imagined it, but you people are crazy. He goes. I don't need this <laughs> aggravation. He goes. Look around, and then Samson. When I worked for him, Fran, he was telling me. He goes. Look, the Oklahoma is an unbelievably great basketball job because you got every facility you want, great recruiting base, and yeah. nobody cares until after football. He goes. At Indiana, we got we got eighteen thousand for Chicago State on a Sunday in November for. So I get what you're saying. Speaking of that, what happens with Chris Beard? Walk me through his future as it pertains to basketball.
2: Well, listen, I watched, uh, who is it? Uh, UFC. What's his name? White? Dana White? What's his name? Who's the guy? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dana right. White.
2: I, yeah. Uh, what, what, he did, what he did was terrible. Um, obviously, we don't condone that in our society right now but I also thought, and and I hope it came from the heart, right? He got up there and owned it and, you know, said it's going to affect him the rest of his life. Um, Obviously he's going to live with what happened to him. Uh, But I I was impressed at least from a standpoint of him owning what happened, you know? And I think with Chris Beard at some point in time has just got to make himself, if he wants to coach again, um, I think he's got to come out in public and explain what happened and, and hopefully move on from this and, He's not going to get hired by 80% of the athletic directors in schools out there, but I think somebody will take a chance on him if he's contrite and, you know, tells us what happened. And, and I think we're a fairly forgiving society for the most part. That's probably changed in recent years because of the idiots on Twitter and the media. But for the most part, I think that uh, uh, the, the the average American is a forgiving person, you know, and uh, if, if Chris will come out of, I don't want to say hiding, but because uh, that's not right but at the right time it explains what happened and said I'm really sorry for what happened it's terrible my girlfriend and I have talked about it we've made up we've spent a lot of time together getting right and uh if there's any way I can ever coach again I'll be a I'll be a better person I, I think that's the world we live in in America and if that happens he, he has a chance to coach again but it's going to take uh you know it's going to take him first and then a, a school a president an athletic director that said hey you know we've talked to him and we feel like he could win us games because let's be honest, he's a great coach. But we all we want to make the we want to get we want to he's got to get right with uh, with himself and the, I think the public when he comes out and explains what happened.
1: People don't understand, but my man here knows more about the modern world of politics than anybody you're going to see on any of the networks. I'm not going to put him in a bad spot because, well, you know, sometimes the people you work for don't want people. But I do want to yeah. ask you. As a political science major, I do want to ask yeah. you what what was your take on the uproar over Tony Dungy?
2: Well, you know, I, you, you probably know Tony from your days in Indianapolis. Uh, let's let's get let's get it out there. First of all, he said something about uh, gender identification, which he uh, apologized for quickly. And I, and I think anybody who knows if you don't think Tony Dungey, D- Tony Dungy is a sincere human being, then then you don't then you don't know you don't know people, you know. And he made a mistake and uh and he and he owned it and he came out uh and apologized for it. And I think it was sincere from everything we know about Tony Dungey. And um, you know, here's what I would say, Dan. You you li- you live in a you live in a football NFL market, okay? There are probably playing in the NFL. And and by by a byproduct of that is coaching the NFL. That's probably the hardest thing to do in sports. We saw it with Damar Hamlin. You know, you literally on every single play, put your life on the line, and that's really not an exaggeration. You know, your career and your health is in jeopardy on every single play in the NFL. And 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 so those guys, the NFL guys I've met, are probably some of the most religious people that I know many of these young people who play in the NFL are from the South. The South is still a place where faith and religion is critical to their lifestyle. And I think Tony, let's face it. The reason people attack Tony is because he's a man of God. Okay. That's the main reason. Okay. What he said was unfortunate. He took it back, but we all know that our society right now, there's a segment that if you profess your faith, you're, you're, you can be attacked. And that's the only reason he was attacked. I would say this about Tony Dungy, Dan. I don't think Tony, Tony Dungy, God willing, is going to be around another 20, 30 years on this earth. I don't think Tony Dungy for one second is worried about critics because I think Tony Dungy has got a uh, let's say there are more important things that are going on with Tony Dungy. And and he lives his life that way. And so we all we all know the reason he was attacked is because he's a he's a man of faith. Period. Edison's.
1: I would add, he's not liberal. I would add, he's a little conservative too, uh, and that. I, can, I, can't you know, that. I, can. I can't say that. <laughs> no, I
2: can't. I can't say that.
1: I know. I said that. I Daniel yeah, J. Uh, Dockett uh, yeah, yeah. said that. Yeah. Fran Frischella just talked about him as a man of faith. Seisler and Shiftman. Let's understand. Oh, don't, don't do that to me. Don't do
2: that to me. <laughs> hey. No, oh, I'm, I'm, defending. I'm defending i'm defending i 'm breaking down kansas i'm breaking you know, you know what's funny I will say this um, I have a lot of friends I, I love politics, I love history, you know like you mentioned I, I, stu- I studied American history. military history. you want to talk about general ulysses s Grant. We can talk for hours at a time, you know, born in Georgetown, Ohio, right on the banks of the Ohio River outside of Cincinnati, and talk about how he won the Battle of Vicksburg but um <laughs> I love I love politics I love talking to my friends from every spectrum of politics I love the I love the pursuit of why one policy initiative it might be better than another and then you can change my opinion. I'm good with that but I can't do that right. anymore unless I I just can't because you're branded one way or another and it's so sad that I can't have the conversations I used to have I'll give you a great example right I loved Sam Donaldson. OK, when Sam Donaldson would get up and torture a president, whether it was Reagan or, or H.W. Bush or maybe Jimmy, Jimmy Carter before that, that's great theater. If you do it now, you're a partisan. You know, you, you can't even practice every now and then. I see I see there's every now and then I see like a hint of journalism out there and it's really cool, you know. And when you get up and, and, and ask tough questions of a politician. I think that's cool, and yet you don't see that happening anymore. It's just so sad. Where's Sam Donaldson when we need him?
1: Hey, Fran, I've said for years, people say, well, you know, your dream job was to be the Indiana head coach. No, my dream job was to play shortstop (laughs) for the Chicago Cubs, number one. My second dream job was to be, and still is, I would leave any job I ever had to be press secretary for the president of the United States. I I think – I, I've always wanted to, and I had a day set up to go shadow, <laughs> and it ended up getting canceled. But I'm with you. I, I look, I, I love. I, I'm a kid that read Mike Royko when I was 10 years old in the Chicago oh, man. Tribune. I, yeah, you know, I mm, I love this that, stuff, and I you know, Dan, it's just uh, sad that you
2: can't go ahead. You know, you know, Mike Royko, man. Like I, I came to Mike Royko like in my in my like early 20s. You know, when you go to Ohio and, you, and you're you driving, you know, you go up to Chicago. Remember, I used to buy every freaking newspaper um, that was out there. If I went through, I'll tell you, like, if I went through uh, Chicago, man, I got I got the Trib and the Sun-Times. And it might be a local paper in, like, uh, Arlington yes. Heights had a paper. I'd grab them, put them on the plane with me. And, and you know, the great George Raveling used to uh, subscribe to, like, 50 newspapers. This is before the Internet. He would clip out the articles that he wanted to send to his friends. And every couple of weeks we get a packet of articles and it wasn't just sports and basketball. It'd be a Mike Royko article. It'd be an article from somebody from the L.A. Times. We gobbled that stuff up and we didn't even know what we were politically. Honestly, we didn't really know back then. We just we just knew like that. We wanted to be we wanted to soak up information and make decisions for ourselves. And nowadays, we have people jamming stuff down our throat because they're not journalists, they're advocates. And it bothers me because I couldn't even tell you what Mike Royko was, whether he was liberal or conservative. I couldn't. You know, the great Dick Young who wrote for the Daily News. Mike Lupica back at the time. So anyway, um, it's sad, but I stay in my playground of life, which is college basketball. And if you get me started over a beer or iced tea, I can dissect... I can dissect the 1980 election between Carter and Reagan, okay? Because I voted for one uh, the first time, and I voted for the other the second time. I did. And I didn't know what I was doing uh, either time.
1: Carter was the – well, I I guess Nixon Nixon was the first guy I paid attention to when he got fired, but Carter was the first guy that – and I'm going to let you go, but he was the first guy, and I was, you know, I don't know, 15 or 16 – Man, he was the first guy his policies affected my family because my mother and father every other week would get paid as teachers and that every other week we got McDonald's and it was yes. a big deal and when Carter was in there we couldn't afford McDonald's we had to buy gas and that pissed me off.
2: <laughs> oh, hey, before we go, before we go, I want to tell you. By the if you like if you like the history of the 70s, 60s and 70s, yeah. Buy buy this by the book by Dwight Chapin. OK, Dwight Chapin was the first um, uh, White House uh, person to be indicted in Watergate. OK, he was with Nixon yeah. from the very beginning until the end. And he just retired as an advertising executive in New York City. He, he, the last 30 years of his 40 years of his life, he played. He was under the radar. But Dwight Chapin's his he'll tell you everything about Richard Nixon. Now, if you don't know anything about history and politics and Richard Nixon is a bad guy, And if you love Richard Nixon, he's a great guy. This book tells you everything about the 60s and 70s in America. and also tells you about Watergate and how that was kind of somewhat contrived. And it doesn't hide the warts Nixon had, but it's an amazing history of the 60s and 70s, especially the presidency. I would urge you to read Dwight Chapin's book. I'm
1: going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm in the middle of Five Presidents. I'm I'm in the middle of a book called Five Presidents, which is a... um, a Secret Service guy retired and wrote about his experiences with Eisenhower and others. I, I got to run, Franny. Great stuff. I, I don't think we got anybody in trouble. Thank you, my friend.
2: I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you next week. Okay.
1: <laughs> I love that, man. That uh, was fun. Now, that's why you come to this show. He was so uh, absolutely great. Nobody knows hoops more than Fran. I'm telling you, when he does a game, i turn the volume up. I can't take all these former players that don't know their backside from third base. You put Fran on a game, the volume is up. It's just the way it is. Our friend, Amando Segura is going to join us uh, when we come back. we got to get into some NFL, baby. Let's go. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, that was a good time with Fran and Now we're with the smartest man in NFL media, our good friend Armando Salguera. All right, here is the Dallas Cowboys tweet about Dak Prescott. I ripped it. What do you think about it? We're going to show it to you right now. Let's see it. What do you think about this, Armando?
4: my God, they just threw their own quarterback <laughs> under the bus. Did they? I mean, they just they just that's one of those. They threw him under the bus, ran over him, backed up and kind of bumped again. Oh, that was that. Oh, well, let's go forward. Boom, boom, boom. boom. All right. <laughs> oh, my Lord.
1: Is that unbelievable? Hey, have you ever seen that from the NFL, that's their official site. That's not some guy, right? That's their official. Have you ever seen that
4: before? Well, I, I would have to say to you, that's probably some 20-something who, who is, you know, a very talented inter- internet geek, but probably not well-versed in innuendo and life and what things actually mean and the repercussions of it. Uh, you know, so uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that, uh, if that tweet, one, doesn't get a reaction from Dak himself, and two, isn't long for, you know, Twitter. I think that that, that tweet comes down fairly quickly if, if the Cowboys are on their game.
1: I agree. I I completely agree. Uh, you were in Buffalo in the snow. You saw the offensive line basically snowplow the Buffalo Bills. Let me start with the Bills side of it. You know, what, what did you see out of the Bills that they didn't quite have in this
4: game? Well, they didn't have Von Miller, so that's number one. And obviously that affected them against, uh, you know, an elite passer Uh, that would have been a huge, huge advantage for the bills. Had they had the guy that they paid, you know, mega millions to Um, number two, their offense has regressed. There is no other way to say it. It didn't look good against Miami the week before the dolphins weren't able to capitalize because they basically uh, were playing with, you know their third string quarterback and yet they still scored like 30 points on the bills Um, seven of which was given up by the offense the Buffalo offense and then you know this week Lou Anna Rumo who is the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals and should be uh, at least being interviewed in this coaching cycle for a head coach job he just shut down he decided okay So you're going to go with Stephon Diggs. We're going to make the other guys beat us. And even if Stephon Diggs gets his, and he did, he had 10 catches, we're going to limit him. We're not going to let him get behind us. We're not going to let him make explosive or dynamic plays. And so he had like 10 catches for like 30 yards, uh, which is like crazy. Um, excuse me, 10 targets for like 30 yards. And so the Bills didn't have a plan B. Josh Allen couldn't put the team on his shoulder and just will them to victory. Um, When you get to this stage, Dan, the other guys are too, are, are good too. And the Buffalo Bills have been winning on the fact that they have a very elite quarterback, The problem is, and now they've probably realized it, when you get to the division round, the other team typically also has an elite quarterback so they can match you and their defense is pretty good. And so now what we have with Josh Allen is a guy who is great but can't get out of the division round. He hasn't even been to an AFC championship game.
1: What'd you think the other side? What'd you think of the Bengals? You taught you came on when we were off the air and said, "Way, pretty good, huh?"
4: Yeah, they as I as I wrote on Outkick.com, they're not the plucky, nice, uh, surprising Bengals anymore. That's a monster team. They are monsters. They come at you with an elite quarterback who is arguably. Um, he's got the, what is the word? It, uh, I think co Jones is the way some people, um, pronounce it, not Hispanic people anyway. So he's got, (laughs) you know, the, the contents in the, where, where they need to be. And he overcomes lack of offensive line. He overcomes a million things, long yardage situations. He has great confidence. He has great instinct. And he has playmakers all around that just light up scoreboards. Uh, That combination with Jamar Chase, uh, I find that, you know, it's like unstoppable. They know where they're going to be. Jamar Chase can be covered. And still, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are so locked in, they will find that that closed window, that, that very tight window, and get the ball there, and Jamar Chase will make the play. And on defense, going back to Anarumo, he, he has great game plans. And when they go south, which sometimes they do, he has great adjustments. And the Bills just couldn't understand what was coming. They had late corner blitzes. They had games up front. They had, you know, blitzes from uh, the the middle. As Dion Dawkins said afterwards, we had our head on a swivel and we didn't know what was coming next. I want to go, I think this,
1: I think all things being equal, when you, and I know that Kyle Shanahan's a great coach and they've got a great defense, but how much talk do we do, you, me, everybody, about the need for a quarterback, I, I got to tell you, I think Brock Purdy. What he's been able to do is the best story in sports right now, from where he was to where he is now. Armando, I, I'm, I, and I, I could be crazy, but I don't think people giving him enough credit.
4: No, I. Well, I mean, let's give him credit right here because he's been amazing. There you go. He's been everything that the last pick of the draft probably shouldn't be as a quarterback in his rookie year. He has been just just on it. And when he hasn't been on it, which has been rare occasions, they have a defense that just gobbles people up. They have the best defense in the playoffs right now. There is no question about it. It's the reason that defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans is going to get a head coaching job this cycle. And there is this. You mentioned that, um we talk about quarterbacks and and you know a lot of teams are paying very high prices for those quarterbacks. the Green Bay Packers are paying 50 million dollars a year for their quarterback and so it's important the 49ers are paying you know seven hundred thousand dollars for their quarterback this year but here's the difference. the difference is you don't have to pay like he's worth you know a mint, but if you don't, you still need him to play like he's worth a mint. He could be a surprise, uh, you know, performance guy. He can come out of the blue. He can, you know, be a a no-name, but at the end of the day, he needs to perform at a very high level. And Brock Purdy, come out of the blue, last pick in the draft, not, not a expectation, big surprise but he's playing every bit the part of an elite quarterback.
1: Yeah, and you know what else? I I look and I've been watching for the last couple days. I I don't know if there – was there a more impressive performance than what the Philadelphia Eagles did to the Giants? Same kind of deal. I'm seeing all this stuff about Burrow, which it should, and and
4: Mahomes, which is ankle, but damn, how good was Philadelphia? No, they're they're probably – the most complete and talented team in the playoffs right now. Arguably, they're the most complete and talented team in the NFL because they've got talent everywhere, and people keep trading good players to them. I don't know why. But here's the problem for the Eagles, okay? The Eagles have stolen a page from the 1990s Cowboys where they gathered so much talent that they didn't have to out-scheme. They didn't have to you know, um, gimmick play, they didn't have to do any of that. They were easy to figure out, but impossible to stop or contain because their guys were just so good. The small problem with that for the Eagles is it's worked so far. They've been great at it so far, but they're easy to figure out, especially on offense, and eventually somebody who is just as talented on defense, hmm, maybe the 49ers, can match up with them, figure them out, and then now it's no longer you're out scheming me or you're tricking me or you're surprising me. Now it's your talent against my talent. Let's see who's better. And that's what I'm really interested to see uh, this weekend in that game between the 49ers and the Eagles. It's a matchup of talent, pure and simple.
1: Uh, last thing before I let you go, you know, I know you're probably going to have to give up a first round draft choice, blah, 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 blah. Um, where does Sean Payton end up?
4: Yeah, my guess is he goes to Denver. Uh, and the reason I say that is they have a ready made quarterback who needs some help. And is eager to be helped. And Sean Payton has the reputation for being able to do that. You've got an ownership group group that could buy California if they wanted to. And so Sean Payton likes the fact that they're going to pay him a lot of money. And they have a draft pick that they can give up. And they feel like with that draft pick, they still can compete in the draft. They still have a a very good playoff-caliber defense, and now they've got their offensive guru coach who can fix the most important player in the franchise, and that's Russell Wilson.
1: What would have been the odds, my friend, of saying NFC Championship game Brock Purdy against Jalen Hurts two years ago, three years ago? What would have been like a million to one?
4: Two years ago, in August, <laughs> in August, right. you had yeah, and you yeah, said right. that to me, right. I, Dan. If you would have said that to me in August, hey Armando, in January we're gonna see Brock Purdy yeah. versus Jalen Hurts in the NFC Championship game. I would have said, Dan, I love you, brother. Stick to basketball, okay? Uh, right. Not talk, right. Talk politics. Uh, discuss. Your Harvard T-shirts, if you want to stay away from the NFL, you don't know what you're talking about. Right, uh, and yet here we are. I, I was, I
1: was giving Hertz at least a little bit. You know, I was giving Hertz credit in that by going backwards. But you're so right. Mattress Mac would have made a fortune on that bad boy betting something like that. All right, last thing. So you you like who? Do you like San Francisco? Uh, who you like? Both games,
4: right? So. Let me say something before I get to that. The Eagles were surprised because in August, I was I was there for some of their uh, training camp practices, and I was told we've surrounded our quarterback with a lot of talent, and if he doesn't get it done, he's out after this year. So they were not certain wow. about Jalen Hurts. They themselves, having said that, San Francisco and Philadelphia – look man I'm gonna ride the great story I'm gonna write I'm gonna ride Brock Purdy because I like Cinderella she looks good to me and I like you know the the San Francisco 49ers in that game defense wins championships as far as Kansas City against Cincinnati we talked about how the Bengals are a monster team and you know Patrick Mahomes is is gonna play. But he does have an ankle sprain. I like the Bengals. They have the healthy quarterback. They have better playmakers. And their offensive line might get Jonah Williams back. I'm not sure, but we'll see.
1: All right. There you go. The gospel according to Armando. Thank you, my friend. Great (laughs) stuff.
4: All right, Dan. Love you, man.
1: Love you too. That is our friend Armando Sagar. Look, I, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see how the ankle progresses, but hard to argue with what he just said right there, at least in my little world. I think that what Armando said makes sense, but man, is this a great story or what with Brock Purdy? All right. You know what time it is. It is time for who's our woke dope today. Oh, my God. Canadians told to have two drinks a week as crack is decriminalized. Oh, my God. What are we doing? Like, I, I don't even know how to respond to that, Dylan and Ryan. Like, we're going to make guidelines on alcohol, yet we're going to decriminalize crack. Let me ask you a question. Other than the crazy crime stuff, have you ever or lately walked down the streets of Chicago? Smells like a freaking I don't know, Amsterdam red light district. Everybody's smoking weed. Like, when did we give in to this? When did we give in to crack? Crack! I don't get it. I, I gotta tell you, I agree with you, Marby. Doug Trudeau is truly an awful human being. Michael Gordon says crack online. What about pure coke? He just wants pure coke. He just wants the coca plant cure. Crack only. Oh, crack only, not online. I'm reading from the YouTube chat, which is always popping. Look, we can go get crack. Like what in the Sam and Henry are we doing in this world? I would love an explanation. Dan Weed is not crack. No, but it ain't good for you, and it ain't good for our society, and I don't give a damn what the tree huggers say. There's all kinds of studies coming out now about how weed ain't nearly, is not nearly as good as what the crazy people are saying. People's V verse radio 317, all right, yeah, I'm going to listen to you. Man, why can't I'm with Mike Cole, why can't people handle life straight? Like, hey, look, I'll be honest with you, I like a nice glass of wine. I like running around all day doing whatever it is that I do. And then at night, look, I'll sit, all of a sit, Lee and I are watching the mayor of Kingstown and we'll grab a glass of wine. I'm not but I'm not waking up in the morning going, Oh man, I gotta smoke weed. Thank God Trudeau made crack legal so that I can go run around. And light up a freaking spoon and snort it or shoot it or whatever. People are nuts. Thank goodness IU basketball players never did drugs. I didn't. I can't speak for anybody, Fred. And that's 40 years ago. Like, it amazes me that people like this guy, Fred, are like, well, I I never did drugs. I never smoked weed. I never did nothing. I had a cookie one time two years ago in Portland. Amazing IU player. I don't know about IU players. I know about me and Uwe. Those are the guys that I roomed with. I can tell you about most of them, but I've always said, when that front door closes, boom. I'm just telling you. Uh, Marby Dog supports Trudeau and Biden at the bottom of the ocean. That seems harsh. <laughs> guys always say that. Well, thank God. I was an IU band. I want you to think about this. 1985 is when I graduate. That's 15 plus 23. That's 38 years ago. And this idiot, are you basketball players? Never did crack. Are you basketball players? I don't give a damn. That's 38 years ago. I've raised kids. I've made millions. I've helped people. I've done a million things. Big deal. I went for four years to a college. But people lose their mind. Well, you know. I was in class with Stu Robinson. Who cares? It's 40 years ago. You and Uwe and Alford and Kevin Custer were clean. Oh, OK, Fred. People are idiots. I mean, stone, This guy says, smoke pot as a teenager, no big deal, grew up, moved on. Right. Right. That's what you do. You move on. I got people that come at me and say, well, you know, Docich, I didn't see you criticizing Trump the way you criticized Biden. Newsflash. I was working at ESPN, as you heard Fran said. Uh, middle-aged white dudes, we ain't allowed to talk politics. Only the clowns get to talk politics, like Jalen Rose. Me? Not allowed. Everybody else? Allowed. I mean, you look at the people, me Maya Kimes, Dan Levitard, the clowns. They were allowed to talk politics. Me, I wasn't allowed to. One political post and I'd have been in Norby Williamson's office and my kids couldn't have gone to college. I got dudes saying, well, you know, I don't see you protesting Trump like you do Biden. A little different working for OutKick. Speaking of OutKick, we just continue to grow. And I got to go potty. So I'm going to end this a little bit short. Thanks to everybody that's on the YouTube chat. Thanks to everybody, Ryan and Dylan and Davey and Aaron and Chuck and Corey and Haley. But I got to go to the bathroom. See ya.